Welcome to First Focus, a weekly podcast here at First Press Columbia, where we highlight various events and ministries around the church. This week, Dr. Derek Thomas is back with us as we discuss his most recent book entitled The Bible, God's Inerrant Word. Dr. Thomas is, of course, our senior minister here at First Press, as well as an internationally known speaker and author. If you have questions about his work, our church, its programs, or any ministry here, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find all our contact information on our website, which is firstprezcolumbia.org. That's firstprezcolumbia.org or on our app. Now, let's get to our conversation. Welcome back again, Derek. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Josh. So you have like your third book in a matter of three months that has been released. Yes, and I'm trying not to be sort of proud about it, but <laughs> it, it was bad timing on my part. Uh, I, I'd had something of a hiatus uh, in writing, mm. and then all of a sudden there were due dates, and, and they all landed at the same time. Wow. And uh, so this is, yeah, this is number three this year. So let's talk about what the this is. What is that third book? It is a new series that the Banner of Truth are publishing, a, a bit like the Let's Study. Okay. And many of our folks uh, here at the church have used the Let's Study series in Sunday schools and, and Bible studies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sinclair Ferguson and Mark Ross and myself have contributed to that series. And this one is, is not a let's study John or First Peter or Romans, but this is let's study a doctrine. Right. Which is an interesting idea. And I think they plan on having 40 or 50 of them eventually. Wow. Ambitious. Uh, and they're called Banner Mini Guides. Okay. So it's 117 pages. It's about, I can't remember, 25,000 to 30,000 words okay. somewhere on there. Uh, a small little paperback. Okay. And it's not the greatest cover in the world. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's kind of retro hip. It's like 1960s. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was kind of disappointed with the cover. <laughs> but um, And I was asked to write the first one. The very first one. Uh, the very first one, and it's on the Bible. So let's uh, let's study the Bible. Doctrine uh, of Scripture. Doctrine of Scripture. What is the Bible? Right. And it has 13 chapters okay. uh, because it's designed to be used in a Sunday school setting, perhaps more than anywhere else. And um, right. so it begins uh, with a chapter on uh, the Bible as God speaking. Mm. So the Bible is God's word. God mm. breathes out scripture. And and it covers uh, inspiration mm. and inerrancy wow. and the fact that the Bible is both divine and human. Right. Uh, men wrote the Bible. Yeah. Forty different men wrote the Bible. Yeah. And you can often discern their personality and and idiosyncrasies. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark always seems to be breathless, right? And uh, he's always saying, "and and suddenly, and suddenly." Yeah. What and was the most difficult part of writing a book on scripture? Getting it started. Yeah, Th- this is something that I've 
taught uh, at seminary, obviously. Yeah. And uh, so the book is a sort of digest. It's written for, like, I was going to say ordinary folk, but... <laughs> right. But but it's people written, who are not going to seminary, right? Yeah, right. And and I hope uh, that anybody can can read this book. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a great idea to have little books that cover essential doctrines. Yeah. And um, spend uh, a couple of months, you know, studying that doctrine. Yeah. And. Um, I I find that th- there aren't many books at, at this sort of level, right? Um, so I, ho- I hope it's I hope it's going to be useful. And what are the type of questions that you receive from those who aren't going to seminary about scripture? Well, the the usual ones about um, are we supposed to interpret the Bible literally? Right. That's like a damned if you do and damned if you don't kind of question. Right. And it really depends on what people mean by the word. Right. Literally. And I, and I usually twist it around and say, yes, you should read the Bible as literature. Yeah. Meaning if it's history, then it's history. If it's a parable, it's a parable. Yeah. If it's uh, poetry, then it's poetry. Right. And, and each genre yeah. uh, has its own interpretive rule mm-hmm. or rule set mm-hmm. of rules but usually they they what it is meant by that question is are we supposed to believe that god created the earth in six days and my answer is yes yeah but but the, what does day mean what yeah. does yom the hebrew word yom mean in genesis one and yep. and there are those who will say 24 hours yep uh, solar days yep. and there are others who suggest that the day uh, is is a flexible term, right? And the Genesis one has elements of, let me say, poetry yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying that that is something that conservative uh, folk who believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, right? Uh, so, but but the, but the question that, that question about um, sh- how do I interpret the Bible? Should I interpret it literally? Right. Um, of course, you know, in 2018, we've been through 150 years of considerable attack, both outside and but also within the church mm-hmm. on bits and pieces of the Bible. So uh, is the Bible infallible and, and, and is the Bible inerrant? Right. Uh, and of course, we're, we're in an age uh, where some of what the Bible teaches is extremely offensive mm. and and countercultural so for example women cannot be elders right uh, women cannot be preachers of the gospel right at least that's what the new testament says right right um that the practice of homosexuality is a sin yeah well th- those are those are extremely offensive and countercultural mm-hmm. uh which which causes stress and strain mm-hmm. uh, within the church as to the Bible. And yeah. Is the Bible inerrant or is the Bible culturally conditioned? Right. That what was true in the first century is no longer true in 2018. Right. Well, one has to deal with those sorts of issues. Yeah. And issues of the canon. 
in the last 25, 30 years or so, uh, we've seen the publication of, of documents that we always knew existed, but, right. they, but they weren't readily available. The Gospel of Judas, mm-hmm. the Gospel of Mary, mm-hmm. uh, the Gospel of Thomas, right. and, and so on. And these have been published uh, in, in up-to-date language, and, and movies have been made, and operas. Yeah. Uh, John Adams has an opera, The Gospel According to the Other Mary. Mm. And um, this poses then the question, is, is the Bible canon a fixed thing? Yeah. Or, or were there some biases uh, and, and with that bias an agenda for choosing the books that were chosen for right. the canon? Yeah. And, and is it correct to say that the books were chosen or did the books choose themselves? Right. Or did God in providence say this is the canon? Right. And uh, for those of us who believe in the fixed and, let me say, Protestant canon, right. uh, the 66 books, 39 books of the Old Testament and 27 books of the New Testament, mm. um, th- that, that's a considerable issue today. Bart yeah. Ehrman, who's mm-hmm. a Wheaton grad, right. has made a considerable name for himself, a, a very, very good scholar. Yeah. And an exceptional writer, but he, he has pushed that envelope on the non-fixity of the canon, and right. the canon is something much more flexible. And and with that comes a lot of doubt about what the Bible is. Yeah, uh, and the inevitable conclusion then is that the Bible has been forged to promote someone, someone's agenda, right. or or a particular branch of the early church's agenda or, so, or right. something like that. Right. One of my favorite words, a word that I always used to challenge our inquirers class to use, comes when talking about the doctrine of Scripture, and that word is perspicuity. What does perspicuity mean, and how is it related to the doctrine of Scripture? Yeah, perspicuous means uh, to be clear. Right. Perspicuity of Scripture was was a doctrine that was meant to say you don't need experts to tell you what the main points of the gospel are. Right. That an ordinary person who can read and with mm-hmm. basic intelligence can read the Bible and at least get the basic message of the gospel. Right. That, that's what it's saying. Yeah. And, and it was a doctrine, it was a Reformation doctrine because yeah. in the medieval church, uh, the Bible, first of all, was unreadable because it was in Latin yeah. and very few people read Latin. Yeah. And to some extent, the, the, the medieval Catholic church, uh, for the purposes of retaining power mm-hmm. uh, within the priesthood, said mm-hmm. that the, only the priests were allowed to interpret the Bible, right. and that it was a dangerous thing for you to have the Bible in your own language, yep. something for which people like William Tyndale were burnt at the stake because they produced a Bible right. in English. Right. Um, oftentimes when we talk about this particular issue, we use a phrase that is the analogy of faith when talking about understanding less clear passages by the route of more clear passages. What do we mean by analogy of faith? Yes, analogia fidei. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it, it's it's a it's a basic rule, and it makes sense that if the Bible is the word of God, it cannot contradict itself. Yeah, because God cannot contradict Himself. Mm. The, the Bible has sixty six books in it, but it has one 
principal author, and that is the Holy Spirit. Mm. So if there's a passage in which there is some difficulty or it appears to contradict something that is said elsewhere, then that which is clear must govern the interpretation of that which is less clear. Right. And and it it's a rule that makes sense if the more basic principle is true that the Bible has one author and, and therefore is non-contradictory. Right. So back to the book for a second. Where can people find the book and pick it up if they are interested in? Well, our very own sweet um, Miss Kirkland hmm. uh, in the library. Uh, who does a fabulous job, fabulous a wonderful job. job, and she loves books and gets so excited when when there's a new book. Coming. And we love her. She does yes. such a great job. So she's uh, she's ordering them okay. uh, even as I speak, and um, I only got mine just a couple of days ago. Okay, hot um, off the press. Yes. Okay. So we'll probably have them in the library, in the uh, bridge coffee shop, maybe on the book table in the probably atrium. Probably. Okay. All right. Any other last thoughts about? Well, it is it is perhaps the most important thing that we have absolute confidence in the Bible, mm. um, and that we should be in the Bible. We should be in the Bible every day. Yeah. And uh, if if you're not having uh, regular daily times in the Bible, then then stop it. Right. Yeah, the Bible is the word that, of life. That, that's that's our rule for all counseling. Just, Absolutely. Just stop it. That everyone only gets one session. <laughs> <laughs> that session lasts about five minutes. But, you know, days go sweeter when when you have some scripture in your head yeah. and in your heart. And uh, so the, the, the point of writing this book was to give people a confidence that when they read the Bible, they can yeah. trust it. Yeah. When I'm not reading the Bible consistently for my own soul, and I think this is actually a, a danger that I've found in ministry that I think people warn me about, but experiencing it as something else. When you're always preparing professionally for the to teach or speak on the Bible, but you're not putting yourself in the Bible just just for your own soul, to steep your soul in the Bible, I find myself wilting and withering, and I just long to hear the word, for it to be sweet and to be the manna for my soul. Uh, if you're not in Scripture, man, your soul is just crying out right now. Get in the Word. It is what you need. And, and perhaps this, this, is a, this is a good book. You know, how can I say that? But it would be really useful, I think, for college students yeah. going off to college. Absolutely, because they're going to be challenged mm-hmm. on that issue pretty quickly mm-hmm. as soon as they get on the campus. So uh, parents and grandparents, if you are looking yeah. for something as a graduation gift, um, maybe to augment, to send your college student away with the summer reading to prepare them, this would be a really good and helpful book for them. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Josh. You've been listening to First Focus. For Dr. Derek Thomas and all our staff here at First Pres. I'm Josh Squires. Thanks for joining us. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you'll join us next week. And until then, God bless.